0: welcome back to the Human Exception. This week is part three of Aris and the Sarasaga, and the part that you have all been waiting for. What the heck is the truth behind the Sarasaga? As always, expect foul language, and let's get ready for another Human Exception. helped me fill in a lot of the blanks. Like Jagerhun, that guy that doxed her? She had indeed dated him for a couple weeks in high school, but it was far from anything romantic. It was a pity date, if anything, and the relationship fell apart really quickly, when he couldn't get over her involvement in online fandom and his own jealousy at the fact that she had a crush on a video game character. Experience was frustrating for us as as he became his own self-fulfilling prophecy. He felt like she'd leave him for a video game character, but it it wasn't the character that caused her to end things, but instead his obsession with that idea. She had hoped that he'd matured in those, in those later years, but apparently that was not the case. So yeah, they, they dated for maybe a couple weeks at most. Weird. Oh, wow, oh, wow. Dude.
1: wow. Oh. Oh, you're spending more time with your video games than me. Uh, gross.
0: Right? And it's like, to be jealous of a video game game? Like, who doesn't have crushes <gasps> on video game characters if you play video games? Like,
2: <laughs> Telling my husband about my crush on my video game characters last night. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, I might have a problem. And he was like, eh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, but also me.
0: But also. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like if you were a nerd at all, you're gonna get a crush on fictional characters. It just happens. If you've
2: played if you've played Baldur's Gate, you're gonna have some confusing feelings. You're gonna
1: have <laughs> so many crushes. That's just how it is.
2: Gail told me I was radiant and I was like, oh no. <laughs> mm. you're radiant even in this light and i was like ah oh, fuck
0: run away
1: I, i'm still confused about gail
0: yeah well you hooked up with them so
1: i i mean i did but like i have
0: gotten the opportunity yet they turned
2: the horniness down and now i can't i can't get anybody to talk to me and i don't <laughs> like it. we need a horniness slider larian Anyway. That's fair hmm sorry no all
0: right so the, of the, question, the question is what's true what's not true well let's get some of the basics out of the way the sarah character is based on eros and the character characters based on eros's friend we're calling alan So sarah legally changed her name to that of a suikoden character eros did legally change her name she was never a fan of her birth name and when she was picking new names part of her name was inspired by suikoden sarah was vegetarian Eris is indeed vegetarian, though she says this isn't something she really talks about and certainly never picketed a barbecue. Sarah was living off donations from her soul bonding website. Eris has never had a donation jar associated with any of her soul bonding essays and didn't even have a website at this time that was related to soul bonding. The website that seemingly got targeted is a Suiko and RPE site that her friend Alan ran that was one part Suiko shrine and one part personal page. Again, yeah, there was no donation jar, and the site was primarily for their own amusement. Sarah self-published and sold soul-bonding essays. Sarah never did such a thing, though she says that uh, she and a friend once made a fanfic book. She said that they wanted to get a tangible thing to collect together their writing, and it was something. It wasn't something they ever sold. They just like put all their stories into a book and printed it for themselves. Oh, that was really cute. <laughs> that, that is, is cute. really
3: cute. Yeah.
0: Sarah has a severe men- mental illness. Stereotypes used in the story would suggest something along the lines of schizophrenia and required medication to be stable and grounded in reality. Sarah does not have a personality or dissociative disorder. At one point, she was on Paxil for anxiety, but that was it. I mean, who fucking isn't? But. <laughs> yeah. Sarah was, Sarah was traumatized from childhood bullying. This is true. Eris was diagnosed as having CPTD... CPTD... I cannot say that. CPTSD. Sorry, due to the bullying she received throughout her youth. While teachers at the time liked to frame it as being picked on, today we would call what she endured assault. Frequently, the older kids would Mm. push, trip, or otherwise knock her down regularly, and she couldn't articulate clearly what was happening, making it all the more frustrating when she was told just to ignore it. For the most part, this trauma doesn't make itself known in the day-to-day life, but she feels it most when she feels like she's being ganged up on, which, you know, the internet liked to do to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sarah does not get along with her family at all and says that they don't understand her. Sarah has a pretty good relationship with her parents. Sarah moved to the West Coast as she thought that people there would be more accepting of her soul-bonding lifestyle. Harris moved to the West Coast to be with her long-term, long-distant partner, Will, and for career opportunities in her field. Sasseri identifies as male. The Sega seems to imply this is because of the soul bond to the character Sasseri. Alan identified as male long before the Sega was published and it had nothing to do with his interest in the character Sasseri. Sasseri lives in the UK and lives off welfare. Alan does live in the UK, certain, and, but certainly was not living off welfare. For Alan's privacy, we will not go into any more details on that, but I can say for certainty that he did not need social assistance. But another counter to this fact is social assistance in the UK is incredibly meager, and you have to be physically present to collect it. If Sasseride's character was truly living on welfare alone, he would not have been able to to travel to the US, and nor could he have collected his welfare while he was there.
2: Also, people, like, non-disabled people have this idea of, like, all the things you can do while you're on assistance. If you've never (laughs) actually had to get it, like, first of all, it's really fucking hard to get, even when you are Like, actually disabled and unable to work. Secondly, it's not enough to exist on. Like, I have a friend who who needs assistance because she can't work full-time because then she'll lose her Medicare. And then she Mm -hmm. won't be able to pay for her medicine that she needs to literally stay alive. Like, she cannot afford this medication on Mm -hmm. her own, even with a good job, which she wouldn't be able to get or have anyway because then... You know, she just can't. She can't do that. She's fucking disabled.
0: And like even people like on welfare or disabled checks can't even get married sometimes in some countries.
2: No. My mom. So my mom is disabled. My mom is not on disability. My mom has talked about if my dad quit working or if anything changed and he lost his job and they lost their insurance, my parents would have to get a divorce. Wow. So that Mm -hmm. my mom would have no income. And would be able to go on to disability in order for her to have care. Cause she can't yeah. she can't live without it. And like if like if I like me living in the States, like I have thought like was not sure I would be able to get married. I mean I did, but I also live in Canada now.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. You know? And and you can't live on you get like twelve hundred dollars a month. That's not even rent.
0: Yeah. No. No. Exactly. And like the UK is not cheap either. No. Not that you get there's not much at all.
2: You get and living in in what do they call it council housing is not always right. feasible either. And then just because you live in council housing doesn't mean that you don't have to pay for heat and everything still. There are people who I follow online who live in the UK who are like I can't exist and I had to give up my cat and I am uh. constantly in and out of psych wards because I'm under so much mental strain and that causes me more problems and i'm like jesus christ yeah
0: yeah like if that doesn't illustrate the fact that this like idea and the story's completely fucking bonkers like i don't know what does yeah like yeah the whole thing around like welfare and disability the way that people think it functions it doesn't it here's a here's the
2: secret it doesn't function if you think your life is hard and you're working imagine not being able to work and having to function in society this way. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Or no, it's I'm a, very it's passionate difficult. about this one thing. Yeah, no, and it's important and people need to understand it this, is. How, you know, and like it is it does apply to the story a lot because yeah. it's relevant because people like to use that. So right. it's it is important that people are aware of it. I think a lot of people don't understand intricacies and just how shitty it is. <laughs> Sasrai had tracks made for their, quote, religion based on Suikoden and handed them out at Sarah's work. Alan took a real religious track that he found, copied it word for word, just swapping out keywords to link to Suikoden and handed them out as a joke at a convention. Uh Uh, Oh, we not do that? No, that's
2: funny. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I would do that. Uh, Sorry, Hallie. His character's a bishop, so like it's totally. I know,
3: magical. but it's just like, oh, oh my god, yeah. I, would, I, I think my brain is overloaded by all of this <laughs> at this point. I think that's where I'm just kind of like, can we not?
1: <laughs> I think it's great, but also. Obviously, it's got some potential to go really (laughs) raw.
0: Obviously, it's (laughs) good. We'll get you that. (laughs) Sarah's boyfriend was also a soulbonder and identified as a dragon. Will has never been a soulbonder or dragon kin, and was, in fact, far less involved in fandom than Eris ever was. Sarah's boyfriend is also very allergic to everything, including dogs. Eris says that, well, he does have some allergies. She doesn't even know if he's allergic to dogs because they're both cat people. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> these, are, these are the minor arguments against the validity of the Sarasaga, but there are several big reasons as to why the events of the Sarasaga could not have happened. Yes, Eris was planning to move from the East Coast to the West Coast. At the time of the publishing of the Sarasaga, her move had just occurred a couple weeks prior, and she was living alone. Not nearly enough time for the events of the story to occur, especially when the story claims that they, she moved in there in February 2007. She wouldn't have moved to California for like a year and a half from that date. Wow. She lived on her own for some time before eventually getting a place with Will. Eris's own declarations aside, I have validated this through many sources and accounts from that time. It was not physically possible for Eris to have been in California when the alleged events occurred. This is also one huge piece missing. Eris's cats. At the time of her move, Eris had two cats that she absolutely adored. They are incredibly important to her, so there's no way that she'd move across the country without them, especially without even mentioning them. Uh, but I can hear you saying, okay, well, what if it was an Eris? There's enough details in the Sarah Sega that correlate with Eris and her friend Alan. The and fandom is quite small, and the pairing of the two characters, Odessa and Sasurai, is very rare, as in canon, the two characters aren't even alive at the same time. Alan is from the UK and he did cosplay as Sasserai. and Eris did cosplay as Odessa and Eris was a soul bonder and has written essays about it in the past. Eris was moving from the East Coast to California and did have a boyfriend in the same state. Eris is vegetarian and did legally change her name. And As far as we know, Alan is the only person to ever dress up as Sasserai and hand out fake religious tracts based on the game. These things are incredibly specific when you combine them together. And it's like, okay, well, maybe Eris was used as an inspiration. It was just a creative writing exercise. No ill was meant by it. Maybe someone just wanted to write a new Final Fantasy 7 house. This had been just a good fun. You would think the writers would have backed down when they began to get challenged, or that they would have changed details once Eris was connected to the stories, but they didn't. They doubled down and continued to reference specific things that align with Eris. They deny that Sarah was based on Eris, but it didn't stop them from referencing things that sounded like her. They were known to aggressively attack people in comments that called them bullies or challenged their depiction of events. If it was just for fun, why go to that effort? Why write 12 parts over two months? Why do any of this and just disappear and delete everything when things got too heated? Because you're a dick. The question comes down, who wrote it and what was their motive? Mm -hmm. So, Eris can trace it all back to one particular event. By 2008, Eris had finished her internship and was between jobs. She decided to take advantage of the downtime and visit Alan in the UK. She figured she'd work on her LinkedIn profile and her resume, and so by the time that she came back, she'd be ready to look for a job. Things didn't go as planned, as she was detained shortly after landing. Quote, Customs in the UK looked at me with my anime pins, backpack, and sneakers, and the fact that I was unemployed and decided I was suspicious, mainly because they didn't believe someone would have fly across the Atlantic to visit someone they met on the internet it was 2008. People were really skeptical of that sort of thing back then, which is fucking true. <laughs> yep,
1: They're man. also still yeah. skeptical
0: of it
2: now. Like I had <laughs> trouble getting into Canada to visit people I had met online. When I met when I came up the first time, when before Jake and I started dating, like yeah, that's they not even did not want to yet. let me
1: in. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Customs paged Alan then then over the payphone and began asking him about his financial deals details alan was naturally very suspicious and didn't understand what was going on or know that eros was being detained so he didn't give them any information yeah that's as fuck yeah. yeah yeah quote customs then turned me away because they thought i was trying to sneak in and steal uk jobs or something it was a massive fail all around upset by this eros returned back to the us where she posted in a private friends group about what happened the event, she says, is what made her friends sure it was someone in that group that wrote the story, as she didn't share it anywhere else, and a very similar circumstance happens with Sarah. Just like in the Sarah Sega, Alan, disappointed that he didn't get to meet up with his friend, decided to come to the U.S. instead. It would be this series of events that would out one of the authors. Quote, The only people who knew about this fandom friend coming to visit me and the character they liked were a small, locked circle on LiveJournal, about a dozen people. By process of elimination, I knew who it was. I sent them an email saying I knew and unfriended them. It was someone who I'd met through a mutual friend and I barely knew them, and I never saw them again. So for the purpose of the story, we will not be using the real names of the or handles of the people that we suspect were involved. As much as what they did was incredibly insensitive and cruel, outing them won't fix anything and would just reopen old wounds that have long scarred. But we also believe that Eris deserves to have her name cleared of this heinous story and have it put to bed once and for all. So with that in mind, we're going to call this person Casey. Well, evidence Eris supplied is pretty damning of Casey's involvement. A couple years back, I was contacted by a random person in the Tattlecore Discord with strong data that connected the Dragon Tiger Claw account to Casey's live journal. I've been trying to validate that connection through other means since, so when Eris told me she knew who wrote it and I asked if it was Casey, she confirmed it was was very involved in the Suikoden fandom and we know, and, we, and was known for writing fanfic and being in most every forum group or chat remotely related to Suikoden. And she even went on vacation and was out of commission at the same time as the primary writer of the Sarah Sega was. So when Carrie and Tim took over for posting while Pete was hiking. Same timeline. <laughs> so, okay. but see, there were some details that Casey wouldn't have known. As far as I could find, Casey was not present when Alan was handing out his satirical pamphlets someone else was. Oh. In Chicago every year is a massive anime con known as Anime Central, and Alan and Eris decided it would be a lot of fun to go together with a group of friends and they began planning. At this point, Eris felt like the internet surely had forgotten about her and she could just go out and have some fun. Oh. I thought it was finally over and everyone had forgotten enough that I could just go do a little bit of cosplaying at a convention. It started with my one friend who liked this Bishop character and they bought a costume to take to the anime con we were both going to, and although they also took some photoshoots of me wearing it since they were learning photography and I agreed to model. But also, we were going to this convention, right? And I was going to cosplay as someone from the same series. So Eris, her boyfriend Will, Alan, and a handful of other friends went to the con and had a blast. They met up with other fans and enjoyed everything the con had to offer, including a fan-run panel about Suikoden, and this is where the pamphlets come in. Quote. Well, my friend had made parody fa- uh, fake tracks. It was word-for-word word ripped from some Christian track that they got in the junk mail. They just changed the word Jesus to runes from the Bishop character. We thought it was an obvious parody, just a light joke about what the character would do in a more modern world like your usual coffee shop alternative universes, but apparently some people can't recognize parody when they see it. Anyway, they had me handing out these tracks at a fan panel, which I happily did because I didn't know anyone was so illiterate that they couldn't tell a deadpan joke when they saw one. And because I thought people going net so over my reputation was over. I thought I could maybe dare to cosplay a little without Ridicule. I had no idea at the time that anyone would take such a goofy thing seriously. And I have a copy of the pamphlet. It's small red, so it's hard oh. to read. But it, 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 it... This is it. Oh, wow. It is literally just, like... People don't really know much about... That's hilarious. This right? is
3: yeah this is like pure zine
0: yeah it's like i don't know man i'm not even a fan of the series and like that like i would not take that seriously if someone handed that to me at a con
3: no it's yeah yeah
0: Yeah, <laughs> one thing we also did was commission some artists in the artist alley for Suiket and fan art. If you're not familiar with conventions, an artist alley is a place where artists can rent a table for the purpose of selling their goods throughout the convention. Most of the time these artists are local, but for some artists they travel around the world to different conventions hawking their wares. Usually they'll sell prints of completed work or other products that they've made, but often they will also accept commissions during the con. Usually you would commission an artist early on the con, say Friday or Saturday, and then Sunday you come back and pick up the piece. Between Eris' group, several pieces were commissioned from various artists, but in particular, Alan commissioned two pieces of art from two artists at the same taro- table. One of the artists we'll refer to as Akira had prints of fan art that they'd done for Suikoden, including several with the character Luke, who in the game is Sasserai's brother-slash-clone. Alan, Alan commissioned Akira specifically for a picture of Luke and Sasserai, and also gave the table one of the pamphlets, thinking they'd get a kick out of it, as at least one of them was a Suikoden fan. But come Sunday, when Alan went to pick up the piece, Akira hadn't finished it yet. This isn't that big of a deal though, and something can happen sometimes for a variety of reasons, and Alan, Alan just gave the artist his address and contact information and asked her to mail it to him when it was done. No big deal. At least that's what you'd think. Akira and her tablemates made con reports the day after the con. It's common for convention-goers to post a statement on their social media after attending a con, talking about their experience, explaining the highlights, and any notable events. In both Akira and her tablemates reports, there was absolutely nothing strange to report about their time in the artist alley. In fact, the tablemaid said the Sunday in particular was a highlight for her and Akira talked about the amazing friends she made. But fast forward a couple months to August and Akira is responding on threads questioning the validity of the Sarasaiga, and her response paints a different picture. Quote, to be honest, I probably would have denied the authenticity of this post and just think that this is some elaborate story Telling done out of boredom, since the internet does that. But I encountered the girls in question at a convention when I had an artist alley table there, and saw a table mate receive the pamphlet that was linked that was linked here concerning just joining a cult based on the game. And then we met the entourage, which led to having to force an awkward smile and praying the creepy feeling I was getting was all a lie just to the place I was stuck in. The pamphlet said the website, which I'm not gonna give you, which leads to a tourism website. But I saw recently that if you add slash Monday to the end of it, it, turns to a page with a photo of a girl. This this confused young lady is involved with the girl they commissioned. Actually, scanned their pamphlet and posted it in their journal to ask her friends if it was a joke. But anyway, here it is. Post the image of the picture of the pamphlet. I think there's some other crap going on denying that the girl is related to Sarah, since I think the other person in question has a soulbound friend who's a boy. But when I saw them at the convention, it was pretty obvious that the one in blue was a girl. It would take an idiot not to notice that, to be honest. The person in blue is Alan. Um, and Alan is trans and is identified as male long before anyone the- oh, no. knew him in the fandom. Wow. Would have known he was male. He was cosplaying a male. Oh. Kira and Casey both would have known that Alan identifies as male. They are purposely... They're purposely dismissing his gender identity. Yeah, that's... Oh my god. Now, let's talk about the pamphlets. We know that Kira is the artist that was commissioned and that she was a huge Suikoden fan as well, in particular a Luke and Sasarai fan, so if anyone would have been able to tell the pamphlet was satire, it would have been her, which in- would indicate that she is purposely spinning that the pamphlet, what the pamphlet was in support of the Sarah Sega. It's important to note that, Akira, uh, that the way Akira words her post leaves no room for any other interpretation about the fact that Sarah and Sasarai were without a doubt Eris and Allen, as the link she posts to Eris and Allen's RP site. She also says the pamphlet is related to a cult. The only reason you would say a thing like that is 1. You know the Sarah Sega is about Eris and 2. You are purposely twisting the facts to support that. But yeah. Ugh. what was Akira's connection to Casey? I was able to confirm the two have known each other for years to this weekend in fandom. Casey even traveling to another country to spend a time with Akira and their other friends. And Akira and Casey had also been staff at the same convention together. Turns out I wasn't the only person to suspect Akira's involvement. In one of the many discussion threads about the Sarah Sega, one of the random participants noticed that the Dragon Tiger Claw account was in the same communities as Akira was. They also noted noticed a recent post by Akira that seemed to hint at something damning, but alas, this post is private and there's no archive of it, so I can't tell you what it said. And this is a random person that found this and made that connection. Thanks conversation about Sarasaga was spreading and had begun to reach the and fandom. While Suikoden is fairly well known, the fandom itself is quite small in comparison to other series like Final Fantasy or any other major series you can think of, So, when members of the fandom heard heard that this horrific story may be starring one of their own, it raised questions. One fan in particular gathered all the details and rumors about the story and wrote a post asking their followers what they thought. On this post was an anonymous comment. Note that before this comment was posted, a user, we'll call Rowan, makes a comment about how they deleted a comment they wrote and went to send the journal owner an email. The owner said the email that her email was broken and then this comment shows up, the anonymous comment. The timing of the anonymous comment in relation to Rowan's comment is suspicious, but not just that. Rowan has been friends with Akira and Casey for years, Rowan and Casey being the equivalent of online besties. Wherever one is, you'll find the other, and that's true today, still. The comment tells a different story than the one that Kira does. This, they describe both Eris and Alan almost malicious and elitist. Quote, I saw these two girls at Anime Central. The one dressed as Odessa was meek, but she was also the boss. The Sasseride cosplayer one was loud. The Odessa cosplayer would point and Sasseride cosplayer would buy. They are rude and to people and even kicked fellow and cosplayers out of photo shoots because they weren't part of their entourage bought a whole bunch of art from the artist alley, but they also took a young artist for a ride. They commissioned her to draw a picture of them, and when they came back to get it, they didn't want to pay for it. Sasserite cosplayer started a shouting match with a girl and almost brought her to to tears. She finally gave them their money back, but kept the picture. She put the picture on her table to sell it, but later Sasserite came back and screamed that it belonged to them and that the artist couldn't sell it without their permission. I've seen a lot of crazes in artist alleys, but these two were weird and rude artists to beware. Mm. I ran this comment by Iris. She said that she wasn't there when Alan picked up the art he commissioned on Sunday. But the description of such an interaction was completely out of character for him. He's a geeky Brit after all. Not exactly the kind of people known for being overtly aggressive and rude. (laughs) Like, usually if a Brit's rude to you, you won't know it unless you're unfamiliar with the culture. (laughs) Yeah. The way Alan recalls the advances... I didn't know they were upset with me. It was completely civil from my end. They weren't finished, so I asked them to mail it to me, and they never did. I left the con, assuming all was fine. I was in cosplay and gave them one of the fake tracks I had for Funzie, and that was it. I guess that's what made them mad, because people were treating the tracks as real evangelism. I remember actually thinking when shit went down, because I was pretty sure the artist was involved, I remember thinking, shit, I guess I'm not getting that picture now. (laughs) I remember hearing hearing about that it was specific to do with this... I don't like this weird evangelist person who was doing a joke, like I'm sorry for doing a joke, but like if they didn't want to be, want to do the art, they could have just said that. I wouldn't have been offended. It's kind of hilarious because like, it's so the opposite of me. I know I'm forgetful and respect artists. So I'm like, as soon as I commission someone, I make sure that I've either paid or know how to pay them immediately. Usually I pay right up front because if I don't, I'll forget. Also, I'm the biggest people pleaser. And if someone ever suggests I haven't paid, I will be all over myself apologizing. So this is quite contrary to the anonymous description of the events.
2: Hmm.
0: So I began to dig. What can I, I need I needed to figure out what connected Roan, Casey, and Akira aside from the of Fandom. Casey was in the US, and as far as I could tell, never attended Anime Central. Yet she's the only one that would have known about Eris' trouble with the UK customs. And Akira, other than Eris's close friends, and Akira was from Canada, but would have been one of the handful of people that knew about the pamphlets and the only person I've ever found posting about having received one. Ron, on the other hand, wouldn't have personal experience with either of these events, but without a doubt would have heard about it from Casey and Akira. As far as Eris and Alan recall, gave out the pamphlets at the panel, which would have contained Suikoden fans, and gave one to Akira's table. It's possible a few more were handed out to other Suikoden fans they encountered. But anyone with the slightest bit of awareness would be able to tell that it was satire. I mean, that's a con. People do this shit all the time. Like,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: cosplay for a lot of people is also play. Just acting with character and doing things like in character, so. The day the first entry the Sarah, Sarah Sega went live. Rowan, the mutual friend of Casey and Akira, made a post about how they just got back from staying with Casey. But they hadn't visited Casey alone. They had gone with two friends we'll call Ash and Karen. Rowan is Canadian from Alberta. But Ash and Karen were from Ontario, in fact, the same area that Akira was from, and were real-life friends with Akira. This entire group had all known each other for years being a ro- via role-playing and general speaking in fandoms. I've got, I can give you a hundred interactions from them since like 2002 between the group. They all know each other for a long time. There were also other, another member of this group that we're going to call Kelly. Well, Kelly didn't attend Anime Central or sleep over in, in Texas at Casey's, she too was part of the group. She lived in Ontario and was IRL, was IRL friends with them. I wouldn't have counted Kelly if, this, if she was just a random bystander, but where Casey and Roan were a unit, as were Akira and Kelly, to the point that eventually they became roommates and business partners that did the convention circuit together. So if Kelly wasn't directly involved, she knew about it without a doubt. So that brings our culprit count to six. Casey, Akira, Roan, Ash, Karen, and Kelly. Strangely, this is the exact number of roommates that live in the house in the Sarah Sega. There were five roommates Oh my god, yep. landlord and the sixth roommate that had moved out to get married, which had left a room for Sarah. Interestingly, of the six culprits, all but one lives in Canada. The one that doesn't is the one that is married. (gasps) Oh! all kind of weird and then but then again why make a house so big in a fake story the story could have been told as easy just as easy with only a couple roommates and would have been far more believable because some of the biggest yeah. arguments that got against it was like there's no way this house is real <laughs> like it's all pretty circumstantial when you think about it, because why why would six members of the same fandom target two other members from the same fandom and go through all this work to make them look bad how could we even be sure they were involved no for sure, Casey is. I know for sure that Akira came out in defense against the, uh, defense of the Sarasaga, citing an encounter with Eris and Alan, and a certainty that they were the subjects. Then I came across another anonymous comment in another of the Sarasaga discussion threads. Quote, I heard that this whole thing is just a giant grudge wank that started an anime con where the person's identified and something awful pissed off an artist. The artist and her friends who had received the pamphlets and someone had their name and address since they bought commissions started Googling these people. They found the soul bonding crap and other parts of the story. Some of the crazy stuff that they made up, some of the crazy stuff they made up, and some of it was based on friends they knew at IRL. For example, a friend they they got kicked out of Canada on their way to AN. Or a guy who walked in on his girlfriend screwing a trans girl that had poisoned her against him. A sister who picketed her high school cookout for the meat. Minor details, but this whole thing is based on details. I don't have proof, so I'm not going give, to give names. But I think it's worth knowing that this is, this is the word that's going around in art circles. Hmm. It stood out to me as it's very specific. It was one of the few things I could find that seemed to clearly be written by someone with inner knowledge. In particular, the thing that grabbed my attention was about a friend getting kicked out of Canada on their way to A.N., which is an Ontario convention known as Animal, Anime North. All six culprits had attended Anime North many times. In fact, Ash, Kelly, Akira, Casey, even though she lives in the States, often volunteered. Akira running the artist salary since 2004. Rowan had traveled from Alberta a couple times to attend, and I know that on at least three occasions, Casey attended, and the entire group did Suikin and cosplay together. case you don't know this, I'm a cosplayer. And Organizing a group cosplay is a labor of love and finding people that will actually do their part and show up is pretty damn special. And Committing to go, to go to another country to do this with online friends is something you just don't do in a whim. Traveling is expensive. Conventions are conventions. Cosplay is expensive. So whatever the scenario, the six were close enough to do this. Close enough that Roan, Ash, and Karen felt comfortable traveling to the states to stay with Casey and her husband. Now, the friend getting kicked out of Canada on their way to Canada North, well Casey was the only one in the group that wasn't Canadian so that was the only one that would have had to cross the border to attend the con. I do know Casey has some beef with Canadian customs at some point but was unable to confirm if it was trouble crossing the border or if it's mail related as Casey frequently sent packages back and forth with Roan in particular. It could also be a friend of the group as Casey wasn't the only person from the Suicodin RP that made a trip across the border for the con at some point to hang out with our group. The story about the guy and his girlfriend and the vegetarian sister that picketed a high school barbecue are harder to narrow down. I don't know what those stories are about, but I'm sure they exist somewhere. So <laughs> it comes back to, but why? So I have some theories, I said some theories, and so have other people. Transphobia, and maybe they wanted to mock Alan. Transphobia is rampant in the story, but if, if this were the case, you'd think that the Sassari character would have been the primary antagonist, not Sarah. Anti-soul bonding? Soulbonders have never been the internet's favorite subculture. We know Casey and Roe in particular took plenty of joy in mocking soulbonders. Final Fantasy VII House Common theory is that someone in the author group was aware of Eris' history with the Final Fantasy VII house and used this for inspiration. Akira did say that she searched the websites on the pamphlet, which is Alan's site. On that site, Alan had a cosplay section and under it had pictures of Eris with her name listed. Turns out if you search her name, her old live journal comes up. The names associated with which are the ones associated with the Final Fantasy 7 house. So it would not have been a long search to make that a connection, especially if you're digging for dirt to use against somebody. The Final Fantasy 7 house had achieved a level of notoriety by this time, and its infamy had every person aware of it, casting accusations at anyone in the Final Fantasy fandoms that remotely expressed interest in Genova or seemed a little too attached to their characters. It's possible the authors wanted to achieve that kind of status without care for who they heard. In a way, they succeeded. Once Eris' name was tied to the Sarasega, it became galvanized to the Final Fantasy VII house story. And while there are plenty of elements in the Final Fantasy VII house story that made it believable, the Sarasega didn't have the same credibility, but by association, it gained credibility it did not deserve. In the last ten years, most anyone that believed the Final Fantasy VII house story believed the Sarasega. Like, there's discussions everywhere. It's like, well, Final Fantasy Seven house sounds real, so Sarasega must be real, right? Final that's Fantasy a, Seven House does not sound real. The <laughs> fact that it is
2: real is, it's,
3: it's yeah,
2: it's something else. Like it's it's an interdimensional pocket of hell that <laughs> should not exist, but somehow does. <laughs> and yeah. like if if you like, if I hadn't made, like I wouldn't have thought it was real. I would have thought it was like a weird internet. Like fucking Jeff the Killer or something, <laughs> if it wasn't for like mating you and all the survivors, like it is absolutely apeshit. Yeah.
1: Jeff the Killer. Yeah. And also the caver. Slender Man. Also, not, the also, caper, yeah.
2: All <laughs> that shit. Like, it belongs <laughs> <laughs> in that realm of disbelief and the fact that this is real is, is, it hurts my brain every day. Yeah. But it's easy to like, but once you make, the the Gen Saga reel, the Sarah saga becomes plausible. That's the yeah. thing. That's the only reason yeah. why it's it seems like well, like man, that seems bad shit, but like crazier shit has happened.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another reason could be they were trying to drive eris and Allen from the fandom. Semi-related to the last point, Jen was made out to be some sort of boogeyman. And over the years, dozens have done hundreds of Final Fantasy fans have been accused of being Jen. Not the exact intention of demon sushi, so it drove Jen out of the Final Fantasy fandom. She'd be foolish to try and participate again with anything reminiscent of her old trappings. And the same would become true for Eris and Suikoden. As I said earlier, Suikoden is a small fandom. At this time, the story had permeated most online spaces where its fans gathered. Such an intention would have to be driven by something. Maybe Casey was jealous of Eris. Both were prolific and fanfic writers. And Eris was networked with some of the biggest fanfic writers at the time based on the fanfic group, the writing group that she was involved, involved with since her early teens. Mm. Um, will every, Anyone that knew Eris knew she didn't want the attention, especially after everything with Jen. It was easy to make assumptions from the outside. So Casey could have been like, she's getting all this attention she doesn't deserve kind of thing. Then ship wars. So in any fandom, ships are plenty. A ship is a pairing of character that fans have grown, to, uh, fans have grown to worship. Hence, ship. Sometimes these pairings are canon. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes their ships turn straight characters gay, and vice versa. And sometimes they're incest. When it comes to fanfic and the way that fans interact with a piece of media, the results of in- in interpretations can vary wildly. Rule thirty-four and all that. One thing just about every fandom has and has is a couple ships that are incest. Probably the most famous is Supernatural where the main characters are two brothers and there's a surprising amount of Sam Dean shippers. Sometimes in these fakes it's explained that they're not related. Sometimes not. For most fans these are what they call no-TPs. a play on the term OTP meaning one true pairing. So no-TP is described pairings that you're not into or you're particularly against and one of the big no tps in Suicoden was luke and sassari as mentioned luke and sassari are clones and so while not technically brothers they are genetically identical so most fans would consider that relationship between them as incest and do not support it the term ship wars describes a situation in which fandom where fans actively attack other fans who ship something the first group does not agree with in mass effect there is a war over romancing tally or Garrus, which Tally knows about Yep, but sure do. As if neither character is romance, they will be. They will get together, and the fans that support this believe this relationship is far better than one that Shepard would have with either of them. So you're a bad person if you play a Shepard that romances either character. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> this is an actual thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. While these fans are the minority, it doesn't stop intense debates and the bullying from either side. Now. We're not going to get into the morality of these kinds of pairings. Anti-ship and pro-ship is a massive, complex, controversial topic. Just know that... Also, it's a good way to get cancelled. Yeah, let's get cancelled, guys. Just know that these (laughs) kinds of pairings can happen in a fanfic and can cause massive debates within a fandom. Kira was very against the Luke-Sasseri pairing. These two characters were her favorites. But she hated the idea of incest with a passion. One theory Eris floated was that maybe that Akira received Alan's commission of Luke and Sassari that Akira thought Alan was a shipper of the pairing. Alan says he specifically said that he did not want a romantic drawing and is not a Luke-Sassari shipper in the slightest, but Akira may have interpreted that way or chosen to interpret it that way. In 2004, I found evidence of Akira attacking a fanfic writer that had written a Luke and Sassari fanfic. It's important to note that this fanfic was written before the release of the third game which is when the player finds out that Luke and Sasarai are clones. Prior to that, they were just two separate characters. So when this story was written, this wasn't incest. The author also added an author's note after the third game's release, stating that in this story, the characters are not related. Yet Akira attacks them anyways. Akira posts about this in her journal and encouraged her friends to also leave bad reviews on the person's fanfic. Akira was also known to have very aggressive attitude towards fans that didn't interact with the media in the right way. She, oh. well, she wrote a journal about being all pissed off and someone asked her why and the comment was Suikoden 3 was released yesterday. That's what's wrong. Now a bunch of noobs will start getting into Yaoi fandom and won't be as tolerant anymore since they don't have the same love and respect as the real Yaoi Suikoden fans have who have played all three games loyally. And in fact, the Tokyo Pop touched something Suikoden makes everything else wrong. Oh my god. Oh my god. game. Go touch I, grass, please. Not real fans. Fake <sighs> so, these posts came four years before the Sarasarga. While I know that Akira is still fiercely against that pairing, I don't have evidence to support her still being aggressive about her beliefs, as she made most of her journals friends-locked at this point. As strong, it's a strong possibility that this anti-ship attitude is what prevented Akira from completing the commission and turning against Alan and Aris. But The last motivation that seems to be most likely is trolling, or the reality behind that palace. Mm -hmm. During my investigation, I learned a lot about these individuals. Most of what we have is circumstantial evidence. This stacks highest against Akira, Roan, and Casey. I saw accusations in forums and journals about Anime North that accused Akira of fabricating grievances against attendees. I saw people claim that she was mean and showed preferential treatment to her friends and other con staff. Other con, other con staff came to her defense, including her sister, accusing the person who made the accusations of making it up. I a mean, she said he said situation, making it harder to determine where they act, exactly the truth is. Rowan has written about her own behavior to people she calls friend. Friends, including a story about in high school where she broke into a friend's locker to take her gym clothes and rub them in the mud and coke as a joke what that's not funny Mm,
1: yeah no
0: i found i found that casey commented on this laughing and calling rowan a devil which rowan added the clothes were for her beauty culture class we weren't allowed to wear jeans to class so she had those clothes which we stole right before her class so haha, she didn't talk to us for a little bit. I think we also filled okay. her locker with newspaper once and locked her out of the building when she went out for a smoke and put a shitload of hand lotion on her lock so it would be a mess trying to open it. She also sat on a wet spot on the floor by the locker so it made it look like she peed her pants. It's mostly my friend's ideas. I just went along with it. It was fun. No. Uh,
3: oh my goodness gracious. someone
0: that this person says was their friend. Yeah. But how do you think um, someone who's not yeah. your friends? Exactly. So Casey, on the other hand, appears to have made a lot of enemies over the years. This week at an RPG, she was a mod of became a target of fandom wank, which is a community <laughs> where people take drama from fandoms and laugh about it, essentially. Oh my gosh. But despite mm. Casey not even being mentioned in the wank that was shared, commenters quickly saw that she was a mod of the group and implied that she always seemed to be involved in some wank or another. Fortunately, most fandom wank stuff has been lost to time because they got chased off of every media platform ever. So I couldn't mm. find this other wank that was so supposedly associated with Casey. But it implies that there's more. <laughs> in October 2008, a live a community called RP and On Meme one of their famous posts. The posts were designed so that users could comment anonymously about RPs they were involved in or the RPers that they knew. They claimed it was for airing grievances, but really it was bullying. Casey's character in connection to her RPG was called out and she was called a horrible player among other things, including suggesting that Casey unalive herself. Yikes. Jesus. Seemingly, throughout the entirety of 2008, a secret coalition was made within the RP that she ran, with multiple instances where anonymous commenters would go on a commenting spree on all the character journals for the art members of the RP. The comments pleaded that the journal report Casey claiming she was ruining the RP. Some of these comments claimed that Casey was homophobic and refusing to let members of the RP play out gay relationships. I think someone who just suffered this recently experienced an anonymous hate campaign would be a little more sensitive to doing it to someone else. No, you think? But you know, all these statements come from groups designed to troll, f- or from people that you know may be the equivalent of, you know, disgruntled employees. I wanted to speak with someone that knew Casey to get their take. I contacted someone that had been su- had been in the Weekend of Phantom and knew both Casey and Eris. She told me she didn't really know Casey that well, but she had a friend that knew her, and she would ask them. Not long after, she got back to me. Quote, So I reached out to the mutual friend and and their recollection of Casey is that they became a bit of a troll as the years went on. They would frequently make sock puppet accounts and harass members of the friend group. Another favorite thing to do would be write these distasteful or triggering fanfic under a pseudonym and then share with people and be like, you have to read it. It's so good. I don't recall this happening to me, but I stated I was never super good friends with them. We were just in the same place at the same time. So I think to put it in the words of my 13 year old nephew, they were being a butt face. I do recall, (laughs) <laughs> being increasingly derisive of the soul bonding thing but does seem needlessly cruel to do something like that just for a joke possible got away from him the internet is forever though the statement gave us was probably the closest thing we'll ever get to a reason it still doesn't provide all the answers but if this was the kind of thing casey was known to do this was another target and an easy one at that mm-hmm. also possible that this is, a, this is a troll that just got out of hand. Casey spurred on by her friends and a bit of a mob mentality that it kept going longer than it would have with one perpetrator. The of the group knew nothing about the FF7 house and had no idea that Eris had this viral history. But when it did go viral, they, would, they wouldn't have expected it to go viral when her name got attached.
3: Mm-hmm
0: once Eris' old public image got connected to the story, it took off like wildfire because now there was a reason. And like Soulbonder Jen and so many before her, it was easy to paint Eris as the villain simply because of her association with Jen and the very rampant prejudice against Soulbonders in the online communities at the time. I'd sure love to know why Casey did what she did, but I suppose I may never find out. I was always baffled by it. I that she just didn't like me for some reason, and instead of being normal about it and going her own way, she decided to hurt me instead. Mm. Around the time the story would disappear, a and fan made a post about it in their journal. They knew Eris, and had many friends that were also celibunders, and a section of their journal entry is this, quote, All this crap has gotten plastered everywhere, and I don't know how much of it's true. I think there's large chunks of it being pulled out of the asses for entertainment's sake, but there are grains of truth in there, so I can't think that it's all made up. At the same time, I feel bad for her because it's one thing to have a laugh and move on, but it's another to sit there and tear someone apart for the sake of being part of the crowd and of howler monkeys screeching and flinging poo. Yeah. This person was also friends with Casey, and a part of me wonders if this had played a part in Casey and her group choosing to take the stories down. I'd like to think that our authors have moved past this kind of behavior. I found a Tumblr blog where users could submit anonymous con horror stories. In July 2015, seven years after the Sarasaga, someone asked the blog what they knew about the Sarasaga, and one of the moms responded with this, quote, I was at Anime Central years ago and was given a pamphlet about the Suigodan cult. It was the most awkward moment in my 10-plus years of doing artist, artist alleys in the U.S. and Canada, and that's saying something and Casey have frequently viewed and interacted with this blog. In fact, a post Casey made was one of the blog's first posts. The person who made this comment signed off as Mod C. And while the names of the mods aren't listed on the blog, based on various comments by Mod C, there are a lot of factors that seem to imply that Mod C is Akira. If this is Akira, she would have been 31 at this time. It's starting to think that she was still supporting this narrative after all this time. Oh, I hate that.
1: Wow. Man, some people just never grow up.
0: Chris acknowledges that she's not a perfect person. Like many of us nerdy folk, we can be really awkward and miss social cues and fandom spats happen often. What reason could possibly warrant this treatment of someone? The best we can hope is that the authors have long put this behind them and are no longer supporting this narrative. As of 2015, they seem to be. So... Once Eris confronted Casey, it seemed the story disappeared pretty quickly, though not before it was extensively archived and documented. Eris, who had barely even a moment to think about it, continued preparing for a big move, trying to push it out of her head. Quote, I forgot about them and I went on with my life, albeit with a renewed anxiety that I would be googled now and all my legal details would be spilled everywhere. But the internet doesn't forget. Once Hun made the connection to Eris, members of the Something Awful forum and Live Journal began to look for Eris and her boyfriend or Alan. While Eris's old Live Journal and Eris's Flickr accounts were identified, most, if not all, of the other accounts and webpages that were suggested or straight up assumed to belong to them had nothing to do with any of them. Many were simply other soul bonders or speaking fans, some were friends, their friends or acquaintances. Despite this story having disappeared, speculation continued to run rampant even to this day, and the first stop anyone looking into this makes is the original Something Awful, Awful thread. Each time this happens, it brings up all those accounts mentioned, and the internet detectives run with those accounts, leading them to other accounts, ran by the same people, yet still not belonging to Eris or Alan. People across the internet get identified as Eris, but we have no way of knowing how many have been impacted and to what degree. We know from other survivors that many people investigating this are crude and disrespectful. Some are looking for answers, but just don't care or realize that their methods are harmful. Others are seeking people out for the purposes of trolling them, and to many, Eris is a villain. As they've thought no further about the story than what they have read. It's one thing to be subject to this if you're actually the person they're looking for. It's another thing entirely if you have no idea why these things are being done to you. Mm -hmm. I'd be a hypocrite to say that I don't understand the curiosity that fuels these behaviors. I do try to be as mindful as possible the people behind these screen names, the things they may have endured. it can be really easy to make assumptions because an account interacted with the same content or same people that they might be who you're seeking. I will tell you more often than not, 99% of the counts you will find are not who you're looking for. It took me two years to find Eris, and I can't tell you the number of web pages and journals and social medias I poured through that were in my maybe pile. Before even reaching out to anyone, I try to make sure that the count I'm looking at is actually the person that I'm looking for, in every possible way. So far my aim has been true, but I can promise you identifying these counts beyond a reasonable doubt is, is a trial and not something that can be done in a weekend. If after 10 minutes of reading web archives and doing some Googles makes you think you have found Jen, or Eris, or anyone involved in this, or anything, really, take a beat. Rushing to conclusions can be harmful. Every account and website belongs to a person, and this planet has a couple billion of those. And each one of those has real feelings and real lives. Be conscious of the fact that record sites aren't completely reliable. They aggregate data based on keywords, and the more common a name, the more likely that the records you're looking for don't all belong to the person you're looking for, if any of them do at all. You have no mm-hmm. idea how many Jennifer Connets there are in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So many. Looking at Eris, it's very clear just how much the public got wrong. How much even my own investigation got wrong. If The Sarah Sega is a cautionary tale of anything. It's don't believe everything you read, which, is, which in our social climate and internet culture should be obvious. But never be reiterated too much. Be critical. Find multiple independent sources. Ponder motives. Seek knowledge with empathy and respect. Some of the people that turned on Eris knew her and had known her for years. Many posted journals questioning the events, but instead of talking to Eris, they simply unfriended her or pulled away. Not to say that she didn't have friends that fought for her, she did, and they tried. But they all got accused of being sock puppets of hers. The mob mentality had taken hold, and that's always a dangerous thing. So Eris went about her life. She made the move to the west coast with her cats, found a job in her field. Twice burned by fandom, she avoided getting involved, and while she was still round online, she didn't interact with the way she once did, and she certainly never went looking for new wild stories about her out there. Quote, I honestly don't know if the publicity has affected me or not. I have no way of knowing how many people saw it and went yikes and chose to never deal with me because of it. At random times, I've gotten mysterious emails from old friends telling me that they are worried about me because they heard some strange rumor, and I didn't even know what they were talking about. All I could do was reassure them that whatever it was, it wasn't me. A year ago, her curiosity got the better of her. Quote About a year ago, people on Twitter were linking around the FF7 house video, and I finally dared to watch it. That was the first time I actually saw with my own eyes any of the housemate or something awful posts. I was mostly impressed by just how much about me they got wrong and how much it made completely normal things like me wearing a white dress in multiple photo shoots seem weird. Actually, that's pretty cool. I don't mind being remembered as a mysterious lady in a white dress irony is that I barely knew these people, yet somehow the video ended up being more, having more info about me than anyone else. I've spent my life since then trying not to be noticed. Now and then I've tried to do a creative project or even exist in the Final Fantasy fandom, but then someone figures out who I am and I freak out and go back into hiding. I just want a fresh start so badly. I want to be able to exist like a nobody and do fandom and make things and write and draw and be judged by who I am and what I'm doing not by the revenge drama of acquaintances and strangers. Yesterday I told my friends that you contacted contact me and they are like, oh no, don't talk to journalists. But don't talk to journalists has been my policy on this forever. And all it's done is get other people mistaken for me and cause the narrative to be controlled by people who don't really know me and don't care about what happens to my reputation. It's time for me to say, at the least say for the record that I was barely even in this. I probably wouldn't even have responded to your quest for your comment about Jen if the housemate and the s- something awful stuff just hadn't happened and later dragged me back in, because I just don't have anything other, other on Jen other than, yeah, she was like that. So, spending the time to get no heiress and the events behind everything, I was repeatedly surprised by just how wrong the narrative about her really was. The stories had grown and taken lives of their own, taken on shapes that looked nothing like the reality, i that Eris took the opportunity and risk to open up to me and I'm so grateful for the, op- the opportunity to help dispel these rumors in whatever way I can. Today, Eris lives with her partner and their cats. Understandably, she wants to keep her current life vague. Too many times have people used it against her. And maybe this will be the first step for her to come out from under the shadows that have dogged her for the last 20 years. She deserves that peace of mind and a chance to live a life without Jen or Sarah anywhere near it. And I hope that this helps her get that. Oh my God!
3: Twenty years, yeah. twenty yeah. years, Jesus!
0: Right? <laughs> and like you heard the Ridiculous. whole thing about Jen. Like she knew Jen for a hot minute.
3: Right, right, but yeah. yet it, it, it's it's so. I am um, that idea of of people nowadays wanting to um, uh, to go viral the you know that virality is the thing that so many people want and then you look at stories mm-hmm. like this and you're like no you don't you it don't really actually
2: well you can't yeah. want to go viral but you you want to be able to control why you go viral right like right like right. like he, you just can't ha- like rando you don't want to be it's you can't control what people <laughs> do with it <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah.
1: So, I, there's there's so many stories almost every single story of a person being like holy shit well this fucking blew up And now I have a whole Mm -hmm. fucking community. What?
3: Yeah. Or I said a dumb thing on Twitter once and now I'm getting, yeah, it's, it, it, it it gets so out of hand so, so quickly. And this was the, the, before that, that concept even existed.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: It's terrifying and horrifying and
0: I feel so bad for her. My God. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's insane.
0: I think the part that just breaks my heart the most is just, like, pretty much since 2008, she's felt like she can't be part of fandoms, can't write fanfic, which she's been doing since, like, 1995.
3: Right. Yeah. She had to give that all
0: up. Because she's too scared that someone's going to recognize her. Yeah. That's, like, heartbreaking to me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, she tried to, like, I asked her, well, maybe try a different pseudonym?" She said, well, that's what I did before the Sarah Sega happened. But then that happened, and then people started finding me again.
1: Mm. jesus that sucks
0: yep i know a lot of things about these six people now
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> i know a lot of fucking you things sure <laughs> <laughs> i so badly want to just be like i fucking know what you did last summer because, like, <laughs> yeah <I> <laughs> dude <laughs> it's a vigilante justice Right, those,
1: are, those episodes will be on the Patreon, and you have to pay for that information.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh it's just, just like I don't want to call Casey out, you know, because like, you know, I I want to hope that she's moved on with her life and that she's not doing the right same anymore. And that's what we all yeah. hope. And like, it doesn't help anybody if we do. Yeah, that exactly. they're doing the same shit. I will fucking happily dump the shit on them because <laughs> yeah. They, if they listen to this or read this, they're gonna know I'm talking about them. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, there we go. Well,
2: maybe they'll do the right thing and they'll come forward and be like, "This was all a hoax," and like leave this person alone. And yeah, I was.
3: A shit I head. mean, I don't have my yeah.
2: hopes, but like, yeah,
3: to treat someone else like that, I just don't. I and for so long, I don't know for so
2: long
0: at any point we've all you know 15 years they could have come out and apologized or said that it wasn't true even absolutely yeah absolutely
2: and like i get the idea of like people being afraid to admit to doing something wrong because uh like cancel culture right like i don't think that we should like there's a difference between canceling someone forever and holding someone accountable and honoring when they're trying to like make amends for something shitty they did. But, like, not all the internet is that way. And it is scary to have to, like, come forward and yeah. say shit that yeah, you did wrong. Yeah.
0: It's like, oh, no, you're scared of the internet coming after you? Oh, no. Yeah right? Like, yeah, right. Like, ironically, right? Well, because then they know they can see how bad it can go
2: for somebody because they did it to somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was so shocked when I found that. Um, the thing that seemed to indicate that it was a writing about happened. Oh, you're still, <sighs> pro- you're still doing this in
3: 2015. <laughs> oh, no. Also, dang, Kayla, like, the depth that you <laughs> went into. is right? No, it's really fucking impressive. I am just like, holy shit, I need to stop reading Wikipedia and step up my game, apparently. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have anything better to do?
0: Like, goddamn. No, apparently <laughs> not. I'm sure they're gonna say yeah. the same thing about me.
3: <laughs> well, no, but it's it's. But you're not you're not hurting anyone. Like it, I don't know. That breaks something in my brain when people do shit like that. The best thing that they could do like, at this what, point is come forward. Yeah. Yeah. And just that's yeah. Yeah. Did it did did Eris say anything about wanting them to to speak up and and apologize, or is she just like I just want to be left alone?
0: She just wants to be left alone, and she just wants the story to kind of, like, be debunked, essentially. She wants people okay. to realize that it's not true. She, yeah, so thanks for listening to my Dang. insane deep dives. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so good
3: at it, though. It's you like... are. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my God.
1: I need a nap now.
3: Right? <laughs> yeah, I need a snack. What are you saying, Hallie? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. I just turned around and looked at the cat, and I must have made a noise. So it's like... <laughs> She's sleeping. Aww. In her bowl.
1: In her bowl?
3: Yeah, we have this, like, scratcher that it's it's a base with two scratcher stands. And then there's, like, a little kitty bowl. There, that... I'll take a picture.
1: Aww. Our cats don't use their bowl.
3: She loves it. Bailey and Jubilee fight over it pretty consistently. (laughs) Bailey's in it right now, and she looks like a little baby angel. (laughs) (laughs) Bring you a cat. I know, isn't she cute? I tease her all the time. I'm like, you're 15 and you have one kidney. How dare you be
0: so sweet? (laughs) (laughs) Poor baby. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Eris' story and the Sarah Sega. We're so honored that we were given the opportunity to tell this story and finally set the record straight after all these years. We hope that this can begin to bring Eris some peace and be a strong push in the right direction for the narrative around this internet legend. Thank you to my other hosts for continuing to make this journey with me. And thank you to all of you listening who continue to support and seek the truth behind these stories. Also, a big thank you to Telegram Discord for their help and patience in waiting for this one. And last but not least, thank you to Eris. It takes an incredible amount of bravery to come forward and talk about stories like this, and I appreciate your candidness and the trust you put in me to do right by you, and I hope that I was able to deliver that. Next week, we will be back with our Halloween special, where we talk about the roots of scary stories, why we enjoy them, and Nathan tells us a little bit about the uh, JW propaganda around Halloween. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Human Exception. Have a story you want us to cover, want to tell us that we're wrong, or you just want to say hi, you can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And to get on the fun, you can come join us on our Discord server. Link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend.